What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain this has been a big week for me personally. We just recently hosted a charity dinner for MAPS with Rick Doblin, who's the guest on next week's podcast. And they have a matching donation available for any money that is donated to MAPS.org for the study of MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for the treatment of PTSD. They're going into phase three trials. Any money that's donated there or thecureisnear.com, the page that I have set up, is going to be doubled up until March 10th. So Please, if you're interested at all, check out thecureisnear.com. Also, the Go For Your Win community is thriving. I just had my first coaching call. It's beautiful watching the first class, the old graduates meet with the new students, working together to build a win and really create that community environment where everybody's not working alone. They're working together, building this thing as we're supposed to as humans, tribally, together. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, and I'm really thrilled about that. So if the Go For Your Win curriculum is interesting to you or the community is interesting to you, check out goforyourwin.com. And then, of course, the book. I'll be talking about that a lot over the next two months. It releases April 17th. It's called Own the Day, Own Your Life. And you can find that at ownthedaybook.com if you're curious. It takes people through the ideal morning, all the optimized practices throughout the day. There's over 300 clinical references and it contains a little bit of my soul on every single page. So I bled for this book. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of in life. And of course, if you're looking to stock up on Onnit, go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10%. As you can see, I'm pretty fucking busy, but it's fucking awesome. I'm living my win. And this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. When I hear the word channeling or channeler, my bullshit detector goes through the roof. I mean, what is that? Now, that isn't to say that under the influence of certain psychedelic medicines, I have not communicated with what felt like a higher intelligence or what felt like a higher being. But to imagine someone in constant communication with another entity that's feeding them direct verbatim word-for-word -word advice and information, I always thought that was a hoax. It was either someone who didn't want to get take credit for what they were talking about or it was someone who had a kind of separate part of their personality that they were accessing. Uh, but either way, when I had enough people, including my good friend Duncan Trussell, who had Paul Selig on his podcast, who is a channeler and who is uh, my guest on today's podcast, when he went on Duncan's podcast and I had a lot of people mentioning, you got to listen to this guy, I finally decided to listen. And his methodology is very challenging to listen to because he has this listen and mumble and then repeat methodology that sounds very otherworldly on its own 
So at that point, I was faced with this crossroads because I realized that what he was saying was some of the most valuable, insightful, best information that I have ever heard. So either he is a mystic and just didn't want to take credit or something else was happening. And that put me on the path to listening to his audiobooks. I listened to the Book of Truth. I listened to the Book of Mastery. I listened to him for you know, over 20 hours. And a lot of these are, actually all of these are completely channeled texts. So these are information that he believes is coming from what he calls the guides. And the information not only was philosophically sound, not only made logical sense, but also affected a deep change in me as I was listening to it. So subjectively, I started to have corroboration. And then prior to this podcast over the weekend, I got to know Paul Selig, the man. And that man is someone who I can now call friend, is just a great, genuine, humble guy, the perfect vehicle for something like this to potentially come through. Now, I'm not going to say that I still don't have my doubts, and I'm still not sure that he just isn't tapping into a higher wisdom that he has himself. But whatever this is, I encourage you guys to listen with an open mind and come into this experience without your preconceived notions. And you can hold on to your skeptical eye. That's going to serve you well. But come into this with an open mind to the message that he's providing and see what you think. See how you feel after this podcast. It was a really incredible experience for me. One of the podcast that I'll never forget, one of the experiences that I'll never forget. It was really truly remarkable and and something that is very difficult to explain. So jump into this with an open mind. Encourage you guys to share your feedback and let me know what you think. But it is my absolute honor to welcome Paul Selig to the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Paul, welcome to Austin, my friend. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's been a pleasure dropping in with you this weekend. And I think um, you know, one of the interesting things about your teachings is it isn't just the words that come across, it's what you call an attunement. Uh-huh. It's almost like you're tuning the instrument that is the human body, mm-hmm. which is really a vibratory instrument. I mean, mm-hmm. we have brainwave patterns that vibrate at certain cycles that determine our levels of consciousness, the neurons firing in certain patterns. We have atomic motion. We have all of these things going on. And Really, one of the things that I noticed and Whitney noticed as well is after spending time with you and being at the workshop and you know being with you at dinner, and we were like, we felt like we were just on a different energetic frequency. It was a little mm. bit hard to sleep, actually. Like uh-huh. the body was just like a tuning fork. Yeah, and um, you know that's one of the things that really comes through in your teachings that you do in the workshops and in the mm-hmm. books, and mm-hmm. uh, I find that really interesting. But it also combines with the words. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, for the listeners here, you know, that's one thing to kind of be mindful of. Be mindful of not only what you're hearing, but uh, be mindful of what you're feeling and kind of what's happening. And I wanted to start with one of the more, you know, powerful attunements that you say and just kind of explain um, some of those basic questions to a little bit set the table. Because the first part of one of the main attunements is, I know who I am, and that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. So who are we, Paul? Well, you know, the guides that I work with say that the truth of who we are, they call it the divine self or the true self or the eternal self. And they say that the claim, I know who I am, is made by the divine self or the true self, the aspect of whatever you want to call God or the universe that is, is us and is the core of our being. 
So when we say, I know who I am, the guides say it's a claim of truth. And they say what is true is always true. So I can say, you know, I'm Paul, I'm a man, I live in New York City, I travel around, I do this odd work. And that's not who I am. That's the way I may be expressing myself in this lifetime. And I may know myself through these things. But the true self or the eternal self is who we always are. So the divine as you has always been the teaching that the guides have brought through. So the claim, I know who I am, is a claim of identity. And when we say this, we're not saying it as the personality self. We're saying it as the true self. And this is the beginning of a longer attunement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're, we're really setting the table for this idea of, I think in some language, it's probably been called the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, probably been called the higher self, the God self. There's mm-hmm. so many words and terminologies for this thing, but consciousness, perhaps, uh-huh. is another word that has kind of imbued and animated this life form. And this life form has a personality self. It mm-hmm. has what the guides will often refer to as the small self, mm-hmm. the thing that handles these kind of mundane decisions and deals with the, the fears and the worries and the concerns mm-hmm. of everyday life. But, you know, and it works in kind of conjunction with this this other aspect of ourself, the divine aspect of ourself, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. the guides often refer to as the Christ itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christ being the realization of who we really are uh-huh. in that. And so I think for some people, just even understanding this dichotomy that there's multiple aspects of what we are and who we are mm-hmm. is a pretty important like groundwork of the teaching and kind of what you spend a lot of time in these lectures and books kind of mm-hmm. explaining the difference mm-hmm. between the two. In the very first book, which was called I Am the Word, which was dictated back in, I think, 2009, the guides said this thing, and they said the Christ in man is an event that happens, or the Christ in humanity. And their definition of Christ was always the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form as who and what you are. It's the truth, they say, of who everybody is. So the seed of the divine they call the Christ itself or the divine self, and how that manifests is generally at the cost of what we think we are. So the truth of who we are actually may have very little to do with how we were taught to be and how we grew up and what our culture says we should be or have or aspire to. Those are constructs, and they tend to be collective agreements that we're all learning through. So there's nothing wrong with being in a personality. I have a personality. I complain all the time. You know, I have all these things that I want to change. The aspect of me that the guides, I I suspect, would call the divine self knows who he is, doesn't care what anybody else thinks of him, you know, um, has nothing to prove. You know, the divine, the guides say, seeks realization as and through you me, every one of us. So it's the divine expressing as us. The first claim is, I know who I am. And the second one is, I know what I am. And if you want to go into that, you know, we can. But that's the expression of the divine in form. So what I'm now understanding, and there have now been six books that have been dictated through me, five are in print, and one is, is on its way, on its way out. They really are teaching Uh, a method of realization. So that idea of this is an event that happens actually does seem that it's a physical event that's happening as well. The body itself needs to become attuned to its true nature. They say, you know, we've been brought up to believe that if there is a God, it's up on the clouds and we're stuck here in the mud and there's this separation. And then they're they're saying now, you know, God is the mud. 
You know, it is the mud. It is your skin. It's the air that you breathe. They say the kingdom, which is their phrase, they say the kingdom is the awareness of the divine that is inherent in all manifestation because nothing can be separate from its source. And the realization of that actually comes from one who knows who he is or knows who she is and is in manifestation at this level. And at that level of manifestation, you can begin to claim the kingdom into being, which basically is a teaching of co-resonance, like vibrates at a like frequency. So the guides would say that we're in agreement to everything that we see right now because we're all operating in a field that's collective and we know that you know this is a, a table or this is a chair, this is a room, and we can all say those things and confirm them. But as we begin to shift our vibrational frequency or our consciousness, if you wish, what we begin to call to us operates in like accord. And what we begin to claim would perhaps be a very different world than we now know. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you draw, you know, we all need to draw distinctions for understanding between the small self yeah. and the higher self. And some of those distinctions could cause us to have judgment associated with that. That's a very human characteristic. Mm -hmm. you, you make a distinction and then you create separation and you create judgment for it. Mm -hmm. But really, what we're doing with these distinctions is just bringing into awareness different aspects of being. Doesn't mean that the small self is bad. Not Doesn't at all. mean that we should push it down and look at others like, oh, look, them just being in their small self and be judgmental about it. It's recognizing that that too is divine. Exactly. But right. also understanding and being able to be aware and observe in, without that judgment. I mean, I think that's a key part of the teaching is awareness of all of these aspects, but also not saying that this is good and this is bad. Yeah. They got to say, you know, what you judge, you fear. You know, and what you claim in fear claims more fear. They say, you know, the action of fear is to claim more of the same. And they say, look at every choice you've ever made because you were afraid and see what you see what it got you. And it's probably, you know, more of the same. So the personality is an aspect of who we are. We just sort of think it's who we are in totality, and it's not. We're actually vastly more than that. Mm -hmm. And the personality is something that we operate with. Um, but I don't think it's the essence of our being. Yeah, you know, and just that basic that basic understanding changes so much. Like if you look at yourself as an eternal traveler that mm -hmm. is now embodying human form to experience life and you're going back home to a place of no lack, to a place of love, to a place of no pain, mm -hmm. then it that one orientation changes so much about how you live. Mm -hmm. You know, then you start to look at this like, oh wow what a beautiful playground we have to yeah. experience all the different things, this entire gamut that polarity offers from sadness to mm -hmm. lack to suffering to joy to triumph to, to laughter. Because laughter comes in the surprise of these things that you would never see coming, which is really probably this is the dimension where, you know, the greatest laughter is probably available because you're like, yeah. how did, how did, you know, that fart come out of that beautiful yeah. person right yeah. then? Like, you know, that these surprises that, that can come only when you create this, this playground, mm -hmm. you know, for us to experience. You know, I was, I was doing a reading for somebody about a week or two ago and who was struggling, you know, with choices that they had made and loss in their life. And the guide said, you know, imagine you're sitting at a table with a bunch of other people, and you're all sitting there talking about the worst thing that ever possibly could have happened to you with great laughter. 
you know, and it was a table of people. Like showed me like a dinner party, like where we were last night, with everybody roaring with laughter about having, you know, left the stove on and burning the house down with everyone in it. I mean, the, the lunacy of what it means to be in this human experience, you know. And we learn through all of these experiences. My God, say this is school. You know, it's not about getting it right. It is about knowing that everything that we experience whether or not we would choose it at the level of personality is a great opportunity to learn. Yeah. So what would you say is the difference between when you claim I know who I am versus I know what I am? Well, What's the distinction there? Who is identity? What is manifestation? You know, when this attunement first came through, and I should explain that, you know, when the guides use attunements, they're actually language that's encoded with vibrations. So when people work with these things, they can often feel the shifts, which is what you were describing earlier. So I know who I am identity. I know what I am in form. Now, when it first came through, and the, the full attunement, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, we all were saying, what is what I know what I am mean? We understood who, we could understand the idea of service. And I just said, well, maybe the guides like everything in threes. I really don't know. This is how it's coming out, you know. But the teaching of I know what I am, which is really, in many ways, the last book that was, that was dictated, um, the book of truth, is the teaching of manifestation, which is the body itself in its alignment to its expression. So imagine that you're a light bulb and you're used to carrying, say, a 20-watt voltage. That's, what, that's as bright as you can get. The light bulb itself actually, according to the guides, needs to be attuned to be able to hold more light or a higher octave. So when they're working with us with the I know what I am, which is, again, they say a claim of truth, the divine in form is always what you are because how could you be anything else? Do you understand this? I mean, that's the concept. How could you be other than this? But the claiming of knowing or I know, which means I realize, and realize is actually to express it, to realize something is to know it is so and be in its expression, actually is a shift in the physical self or the vibratory field that the body holds. One of the things that they've been doing in the workshops is having people work with this. And it's, again, usually a very tangible energy that comes. You have people now, and the guides will usually place people out four feet apart, and they'll do the attunements, and they'll say, I know who you are, I know what you are. And in the claim of I know what you are, you can literally feel the energetic field of the person you're working with send back the waves Mm -hmm. of the frequency. I mean, it's tangible. And one of the things I like about the work that's coming through is you can't fake it. You're either feeling the energy you can. I mean, I always say, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a guru. I really don't want to be. I'm this guy that shows up and takes this dictation and seems to have an energy field that can, can serve as a transmitter. But there is a very vast difference between hearing information and experiencing it yourself in a way that you can authenticate and own. Yeah. And that's what I care about because that's knowing. In all my you know, explorations, I've really started to understand how powerful belief is. Like belief is the form of kind of magic that mm-hmm. we all have available to us. And what's happening is, is these attunements are changing your belief in your identification point because we already are what we are yeah. we are all the things we are the divine self we are the small self mm-hmm. but it's our belief and our choice as to where we push that identification point that actually manifests what we are like belief is that powerful if we believe that we're the small self we will act as if and kind of vibrate as if we are that even though behind that is the divine self 
And so it's this awareness and this ability to understand and to know what we really are and to believe what we really are mm -hmm. that actually calls that into being, you know, yeah, to a certain degree. Very well said, you know, and we have choice. So if I want to be as my small self and be cranky and complain and, you know, fight everybody, I can do that and I can claim the experiences that come at that level of vibration. I can have that and I can learn through those things. And that's one way to learn. It's not the only way to learn. You know, I begin, I begin to operate in a higher way when I stop making choices based in fear, when I stop judging other people, when I stop trying to control who I think other people or institutions are supposed to be. And I begin to go through a process of realization, which is that the divine is inherent in all manifestation, whether or not I like what I see. And that actually changes my relationship to everyone and also the world that I live in. And the guides say when you're claiming at that level of consciousness or awareness, you're actually calling into being that which already is inherently divine at that level. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's like you're, you're lifting things to their true nature. Yeah, that's a, that's, I would definitely want to get into that more because that's one of the most challenging things to do It's to actually, and that's probably part of the third part of this attunement, just so we can get through uh -huh. the is it's know how I serve, yeah, right? Because one of the ways that you serve is you serve as as a force that can actually help to lift the consciousness of what is being perceived of the people around you. You know, that's something actually too that I'd just love to hear your explanation because that's to me what makes the most sense. Like, how do I serve? Well, I serve in cooperation in conjunction with everybody else, all the other organisms and beings and everything mm -hmm. here on this, and I help serve to help elevate that and support that in a certain way. Is that what is that what they mean by I know how I serve in truth? No. No. Not, okay, good. Not quite. Good. Um, I get to learn something. I, I used to think so, mm -hmm. and I think it's much more than that now. So the guides say, I know who I am, identity. I know what I am, manifestation. I know how I serve as expression. So mm -hmm. the guides say how each one of us serves is how we're most fully expressed or truly expressed as the true self. And that can be in the moment you stand in. In our culture, we tend to think of it as our careers. You know, we're here to do these things, you know. And it's much more, frankly, I think, about being. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's an example that I use, and it's in one of the books, because uh, we included some questions from students in, in the books. And in the book of Mastery, there's a woman who, who said, you know, I... Uh, I drive a school bus for a living, and I, I, I bless all the kids when they get on the bus, and I, I, I claim the divine as them when they get on the bus. But what am I here for? You know, and how do I serve? And she was doing it. But the idea was that it was supposed to be some grand gesture, you know, that people can say that service. I have, you know, friends that go into service professions because sure. they think that's what they're supposed to do, and they actually hate them, some of them. That's not what they're there for. They're there to be in joy. And that's not their, where their joy is to be found. What I'm beginning to understand now, and that's only because the guides have just begun to unpack the phrase, I know how I serve, or the claim, I know how I serve. It's actually something beyond what I thought. It's its own energetic attunement. And what the guides have been doing is working with people specifically only on that phrase. And when that phrase is actually claimed, you can feel the energetic field begin to shift. And the guides are saying, that's the claim, I know how I serve, that claims the manifest world into a higher octave. Mm -hmm. It was shocking to me, and they only started doing this, um, I would say, within the last month and a half, I was teaching at the Esalen Institute, 
and the guides were channeling a month-long course there. And at the end of the course, they brought this through. And we were all kind of astonished because, again, the energy of it was palpable. You could feel the field expand and call everything to it in a lifting. So the idea of I know how I serve is really about being at this octave or at this level of vibration where by nature of your being, by not what you're figuring out and trying to do right. to fix the world, by nature of your being, you're actually shifting the vibration of what you encounter. They're calling it alchemy. Is that, um, are you familiar with Rupert Sheldrake and his work on the morphic resonance field? It's I'm almost not. this idea that, and I think it's something that, kind of came up to me when you were in Duncan Trussell's podcast talking about people who just their job is to hold that vibration yeah. and make it available almost like there's a collective consciousness of what's available mm -hmm. and when someone reaches a certain new level it's you know the idea that when a, an organism like a bird he uses mm -hmm. the example of a bird who figured out how to peck the tops of the yeah. cream lids on the mm -hmm. cream and then instantly when one bird figured that out birds far away who couldn't have learned that behavior yet all started to do it simultaneously mm -hmm. and you have examples of these things that kind of come into being, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time. And that's because, which makes a lot of sense when you understand that there's multiple levels of existence. And in other levels of existence, communication is not bound by time and space. Exactly. You know, so if, if a human being can reach and hold a level of vibration, then all human beings are in communication with that being. It can then also have that available. And that was somewhat the purpose of of christ the man as he mm -hmm. kind of came through he was able to and maybe he wasn't the first maybe he was i'm not mm -hmm. sure on that but he was able to access a certain vibration a certain recognition of who he was mm -hmm. which then made it possible for others to follow in his footsteps that's the teaching i mean that is the teaching that i understand and it's been my experience as well as somebody learning and as somebody now teaching you know when i was about 30, 31, I studied healing with this older Irish lady, you know, who was sort of a big deal. She's no longer with us. And I watched this little woman stand in a room and say to a room full of students, okay, everybody asked for one thing and it's going to happen. And I stood there and suddenly I felt this electric current run through my body in a way that I'd never experienced. And I was sharing this in a room full of people, and we were all having this experience. And in that moment, my life completely changed because something that I didn't know was possible was possible. And if it was possible, that, mean no that means nothing was as I thought it had been. You know, I was raised an atheist, so um, when I first started to open up psychically and spiritually, which was in my mid-20s, it was like moving to another planet because the world that I had been instructed to live in didn't hold these opportunities for, for realization. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's true, and I do think that anything that I do can be done. You know, when I'm working, as I'm working, I, and I'm, I come from a more traditional background than some people. I was a college teacher for 25 years. I, you know, I went to Yale. I did these things that seem sort of normal in the world. But if it can be done, if it can be demonstrated, it's available. I don't consider myself special, nor do I want to buy into that. I think that's a big trap that people get into. Yeah. But if, you can, if it can be done, it's available for everybody. It's interesting. I had, a, I had Paul Check on my podcast, and he brought us through an exercise where we're listening to, he calls it listening to your soul, uh -huh. which is basically listening to your divine self, Christ itself, yeah. same idea. And it's tapping into that voice that we all have inside that 
brings the higher wisdom and listening, you know, and asking soul, are you there? And then having this kind of dialogue in the soul when you hear the response, yes, mm-hmm. you know, then having this dialogue. And I think a lot of times someone will say, here's a channeler, you know, they're, they were gifted. And yes, certainly there's a spectrum of gifts that certain have. I'm a basketball player. I'm not LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There is obviously a spectrum, but yeah. I can put a ball through a hoop. Mm-hmm. And so can everybody else. And just th- so I think it's important distinction to know that we can all tap into, you know, higher wisdom within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe that wisdom is coming from, you know, guides as you're able to access, or maybe it's just the very smartest, most tapped in part of our higher self, our Christ itself, that's mm-hmm. just communicating to us through the fear and the desires mm-hmm. and everything else that the small self comes. And when we start to be able to listen to that voice, then things get a lot easier. We're able to get out of the way a little bit more and accomplish mm-hmm. things and have a little bit more faith because we have really some strong guidance that's not getting pushed and pulled by these kind of small emotions that we'd have to deal with. I agree. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, my job as a channel is to take dictation. You know, I'm a radio and that's how I describe my work. So when I'm, when I'm channeling the guides and I'm, I'm dictating a book and the books are really the unedited transcripts of sessions, you know, there's no, there's no writing involved. There's spoken and then there's somebody that transcribes all the recordings and then that's the book. But I'm taking dictation that is as specific to others. I'm not really hearing from myself when I'm doing that. You know, the radio is in broadcast for others. When I tune into people and I work a bit more psychically, I'm tuning into you. You're the station I tune into and I can begin to hear you and feel what it's like to be you and what's going on and then sort of understand the information that I'm given. Some of it may be channeled, the guides may speak to me, but some of it's actually just what I feel when I become you and I can actually sort of hear. So my my abilities are clairaudience and clairsentience primarily, clear hearing and and clear feeling. And sometimes people say, I really want to channel. And I go, why, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's never gotten me a date, you know, ever. <laughs> and um, it's, it's stenography, truthfully. It's yeah. taking dictation. And it's hard for me and most of the people that I know who do this kind of work to read for ourselves because we have an investment in the outcome. So the kind of instruction that I get from the guides that I work with on a daily basis is generally about not taking actions in fear. Mm. If I am about to ask for approval from somebody, I may hear not wise because it's not needed, you know, or make a choice that will later harm me. And I know this because occasionally I hear not wise and I go do it anyway (laughs) and I I pay, you know, and sometimes badly for – from my, my, my desire or my lower self saying, this is what I want and I want it now and I want to get it my way. Yeah. And then I tend to, to get the, you know, the rebuff from, from my experience here as, as a personality self. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple aspects of that. One is, you know, I remember at dinner and we were in between the, the biscuit course uh-huh. at Fix, which is a great Southern restaurant, and, and in, in between our salad course and the shrimp that we were going to get. And I asked you a question about, about Jesus and about uh-huh. the strategy and you uh-huh. slipped into you slipped into channel uh-huh. at that point, and it, it was so very natural that you know for someone on the outside, you know who wasn't familiar with this, wasn't familiar with you, mm-hmm. be like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, you know. But for me, it was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, yeah. I got to communicate that way. And it seems like you know, fast forward some time now as we start to really awaken to who we are and mm-hmm. awaken to the general metaphysical landscape of the world, that's going to become more common. 
you know where like that thing at a dinner in between biscuits and shrimp you know someone can have some wisdom that gets piped in and and the conversation carries on and it still moves on to laughter and dessert and the Mm -hmm. whole the whole thing where is it's you know right now it's in this kind of isolated in this weird woo woo corner of like oh what is that it's so freaky and then but when you actually are there around it experiencing there's just a a wisdom that comes through that you have the discernment and all of us here everybody listening Mm -hmm. has the discernment about whether that what they're hearing sounds right or what they're hearing doesn't sound right exactly i mean the guide said we're all radios every one of us and we're always in broadcast and our broadcast is the consciousness that we hold and when I first started channeling, I used to feel like I had a, a tin can on a string up to my ear, you know, the old telephone game, and I would hope that somebody would pick up the other side and, and talk back. And what's happened in the time that I've worked is there's really been emerging. And for me, it's just about turning the dial on the radio an iota to hear the other transmission, you know, and I think we're all capable of doing that. The claims that the guides use, like for example, I have the attunements, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, they say are there to basically tune the radios that you are, that I am, to play the higher broadcast that's always available. You know, it's always been there, but we've been operating in this very small belief system of what's possible. So the guides say, you know, everything exists in multiple octaves. That's how they describe it. And we're basically just tuning into the higher octave that is always present. You think you can hear the middle C, but the high C is also available Mm -hmm. to be heard. But we don't know that we can access what's not on the keyboard that we've been looking at since we were born. This is the high, this is the low. And if you think about it, you know, the note C can be played out through infinity. It still exists. But it may be beyond our what we believe our capacity to hear is. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ian, can you get a tenth planet to turn down the bass on their sound here, real quick? Um, yeah, it's it's one of the things that you know I think a lot of us experience when we have a psychedelic experience in the proper set and setting. It's mm-hmm. almost an awareness of a greater spectrum of what already exists, yeah. and that's what Aldous Huxley talks about in Doors of Perception and how it's not, people think of the brain as a, as a go-fetch device, like the brain is going out there and fetching. Really, the brain is filtering. Exactly. It's taking in what it can, and then it's filtering what it thinks you need to survive. And that's generally filtering the things that are going to help get you food, get you resources, or get you laid. You know, like that's what the brain is focused on on its day-to-day basis. But then when you take something that shifts the, you know, shifts the priority of the brain, to something else and opens up other channels it's just like you're receiving a lot of other information so you may have encounters with guides in the psychedelic experience or have encounters of wisdom or voices or visions all information that was formerly not available to you by just turning the dial on the radio mm-hmm. that's it yeah. i don't think it has to be harder than that and i don't know if if you require you know a psychedelic to do that i think there are other ways to access you know, higher consciousness, and that's certainly a doorway that many are walking through and with with great benefit. You know, in Mm -hmm. my case, I actually, you know, everything happened for me, you know, when I sort of let everything out of my system and suddenly I was a wide open, you know, wound, really, that was picking up everything. I mean, I had to learn how to sit with that and through that uncomfortability over the years. So, you know, I'm intrigued by plant medicine. I don't. I haven't ventured there yet, and that's only because of my own 
history, you know? Well, you certainly are plenty tapped in right now, so... You know, I think that there's different ways of being tapped in. I've been through a process that is not, I have to say, extraordinarily graceful. This hasn't been, you know, a happy-go-lucky journey into channeling. This was deeply challenging to everything I thought I was or was supposed to be. You know, I'm living a life right now that I could not have imagined. Um, I'm on the road, you know, showing up before large groups of people closing my eyes and hoping that something comes out of my (laughs) mouth. And then something comes out of my mouth that I don't completely comprehend. You know, I'm not the best student of the work, although I'm getting much, much better, I have to say. I finally started taking their advice um, after years of saying, well, you know, my biggest problem is that the information's coming through me. You know, if you were the channel, I could sit there and decide what I think and whether I agreed. And it's a little hard for, you know, again, the radio to, to judge the broadcast. If I'm judging the broadcast, I'm not a good radio. You know, I have to go back and read the transcripts now or read the books. But I do get that, you know, the availability to this is, is what I bring. And as I continue to stay available to it, my life changes, you know, and hopefully for the better. And I, I keep hearing others' lives are changing as well through their encounter with this work, and, and that does make me glad. No doubt. There's a lot of people in this room right now. I, ah. can, uh, I can say that same thing. I think to just follow up on that point, you know, one of the um, more experienced shamans I work with, with Aboga, he put me through an exercise, a visualization exercise, where I was going to the moon and trying to talk to my grandmother. Uh-huh. And he, it was before the medicine kicked in, before the psychedelic yeah. was actually active. And I was like, look, look, man, I'm not feeling anything yet. You know, this was early in my job. I'm not feeling it. He's like, no, go there. Go do this. And he just kept, with his own belief and his own insistence, kept asking me to have this conversation with my grandmother. And sure enough, you know, I was able to access that, Mm -hmm. something that previously I had to be deep in the medicine to do. And then after that conversation and the things kind of unlocked, he goes, remember, you don't need medicine to do this. And that was one of the best gifts that he said is I think sometimes we think that we need a chemical or we need Mm -hmm. some thing to open the doorway but the radio frequency the dial you know with belief alone and enough intention and enough you know skill and practice behind it you know absolutely we can start to shift the dial tap into our higher self and start to get wisdom we have to know that it's possible and you know part of what i do is give permission you know it's possible and the moment something's possible it can be claimed nothing can be claimed or known or accepted that we won't believe can be so the the only real step i think that's needed is permission you know to to expand beyond what we've been taught to believe can be if it's possible it can be claimed it's the simplest thing it's true for any kind of spiritual life you know, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a world, I was a New York City kid growing up, you know, in the 60s and 70s, you know, and we believed that people who believed in God were stupid. You know, it was a, sort of this arrogant, you know, intellectualism that sure. was sort of rampant when I grew up. We didn't go to church, we went to the psychiatrist, you know, that's what we did, you know. And I was fairly comfortable with that. And I don't know, I mean, it's funny because I do remember you know, there was this bar that I used to hang in, hang out when I was in college. And, and for some reason, this, this dumb sailor bar had the Edwin Hawkins singer singing Oh Happy Day on it. And I used to play it and think, gosh, wouldn't it be wonderful 
to have that kind of joy, you know, and to know that this was true. And I think that the yearning for something more was there, but it hadn't been made available to me. It wasn't, frankly, in my case, until I hit a wall. And I realized at the time that I hit the wall that my own ability to fix things wasn't going to solve it, that I began to open up to the potential for something more. And for me, that was life-changing. Yeah. It was a radical change, and I'm still living in the result of those changes today. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think on, you know, again, on Duncan's podcast, for anybody who's, and I just want to get this caveat out, for anybody that's trying to tap into, you know, something higher, remember these two borders, these two boundaries. If whatever voice or whatever thing you're hearing is going to puff up your ego and mm-hmm. really try and serve your ego and tell you how grand you are and tell you how special, more special you are than mm-hmm. other people, probably not the right voice. And if it also if it fills you with fear and doomsday yeah. prophecies, probably not the right voice either. You know, those are some some boundaries of because you know the ego is a tricky thing. It can also yeah. project itself into putting a voice in your own mind, and it can kind of lead you astray. So. You know, make sure that message is resonating with what you know deeply is love and truth. It's really important, you know, and I, I meet people that want to be channeling or think they are channeling, and I don't necessarily think that that's what's going on. And I do know that, you know, there's a lot of radio stations to play out there, and they're not all great stations. That's you know, true. my grandma was a was a nice woman. I didn't know her well. She married four or five times. I don't think she's who I would go to for relationship advice on the other side. I mean, she couldn't get it right, <laughs> you know? So I, why do I want to listen to her? Right. Um, and you've got to really be clear at what level you're attuning. I, I've met people who say, I've been told that I am the next channel for and then pick a pick a well-known spiritual entity that's being channeled now. And I'm going, when, when the channel dies, I'm going to be the next one. I go, oh, brother, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I don't think that, you know, they need to work that way. You know, whatever I'm hearing, whatever it is, you know, seems to be wiser than Paul is and unafraid, which is amazing to me because I can still be quite afraid in my life. And, and has a deep capacity for love which I get the privilege of experiencing when they're working through me. I get to feel that level of love, which is humbling. Yeah. It's the only way I can describe it, you know? And, uh, and it comes because there's no agenda, yeah. none at all. And I think, you there, know... There almost can't be a, an agenda to love. You know, like th- there's a t- quote from Chogrim Trumpa, the warrior's decency is the absence of strategy. Like, yeah. Uh, anyone's the divine's decency is the absence it's just it's just love it's not choosing which thing to love it's like the sun the sun doesn't shine only on this flower because it's pretty it shines on all the flowers it shines on the swamps it Mm -hmm. shines on everything that isn't obscured by which in this case would be the small self or whatever kind of clouds that we're putting up but the sun sun just shines 360 degrees all directions all Mm -hmm. times and as soon as you attune as soon as you face it open your heart to it the sun's there yeah always there i agree I mean, I recommend that people not try to to channel. I I actually recommend that people are to listen to themselves and listen to their hearts, you know, because that won't lie to you. Yeah, the heart is the source of wisdom that we all get to carry. Yeah. That is, if you had to pick a home, I think a lot of times we pick the home for ourselves, and we always point to our brain, yep. you know. But when you really start to understand where the self is, that the I am self, 
you know, mm-hmm. the, the divine self. It's always right here in the heart. Yeah. You know, it's the place that's beyond the words and beyond all of the constructs that come with the mind. It's, mm-hmm. it's deep, you know, it's that point that when you identify, then it kind of reorients everything. Mm-hmm. Wondering if the guides at this point, um, since you spoke about love and we've been speaking about wow. attunement, if they would uh, bring us through an attunement or an attunement to love or mm-hmm. anything of that nature. Oh, I, I'm going to explain this first about how I work. Because if mm-hmm. I start to channel, and you know, uh, you know, I, when I hear, I whisper the words as they come, and then I repeat them, so people hear things twice. It takes a little getting used to, but I always say this, or people say, "Why is that guy whispering and saying everything twice?" And is there something wrong with my, you know, with with my equipment because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting an echo? And it's really just how it comes through. But if it's okay, I'll step in and I'll see. I'll see what I can access. Well, now we'll see what we got. They're saying we teach. We said we have. Say. They're saying we have a few things to say. If you wish to listen, if you wish to listen, the divine as you is present. The divine as you is present, regardless of what you think you are, what you have done, or what you have done, or believe you could do, or believe you could do. What we are teaching is who you are. What we are teaching you is who you are in actuality, in actuality, not in conjecture, not in conjecture, not on some fine day, not on some fine day, but now in this moment, but now in this moment, as you hear these words, as you hear these words, the divine is as present as you as you in this very moment in this very moment as it can ever be as it can ever be and if you wish to announce it and if you wish to announce it we announce it was always true you will be announcing what is always true here are the words we use here are the words we use to sing for you to sing for you and we sing for you when we sing for you we are instructing you in song we are instructing you in song and as you sing with us and as you sing with us you go into coresonance you go into coresonance not only with the intention not only with the intention of the language, of the language which is to attune you, which is to attune you, but to the broadcast itself, but to the broadcast itself, which is the divine self, which is the divine self in song, in song, in its creation, in its creation as what you are, as what you are, the what that you are. The what that you are is not only the vessel of the divine, is not only the vessel of the divine, but its perfect expression, but its perfect expression. Underline the word perfect. Underline the word perfect, just as you are, just as you are, just as you sit before us, just as you sit before us. It cannot be anything other. It cannot be anything other when this is realized. When this is realized, and to realize something means to know it, and to realize something means to know it. You have claimed in truth. You have claimed it in truth. And when something is claimed in truth, and when something is claimed in truth is always true, it is always true and always known as such, and always known as such. This is the attunement. This is the attunement to the vibration of the word, to the vibration of the word. We will say these words first. We will say these words first. We'll explain them after. We will explain them after. You may repeat the language if you wish. You may repeat the language if you wish. All who are present here, all who are present here may speak as well, may speak as well. I am word through my body. I am word through my body. I am word through my body. Word, I am word. Word, I am word. I am word through my vibration. I am word through my vibration. Word, I am word. Word, I am word. I am word through my knowing of myself. I am word through my knowing of myself. As word. As word. Word, I am word. Word, I am word. 
when you claim this, you are claiming truth. You claim my authority. To claim I am word through my body instructs the physical self, instructs the physical self to move into alignment with perfection. To, instructs the physical self to move, into, to move into alignment, alignment with its perfection, with its perfection. The word, the action, form. The word is the action of the creator in form, in form. I am word through my vibration. I am word through my vibration, the action in the field, the action in the field that you hold, that you hold. I am word through my knowing of myself. I am word through my knowing of myself is the claim of identity, is the claim of identity. You may say this after us. You may say this after us. I know who I am in truth. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free, I am free, I am free. I am free, I am free, I am free. They're saying claim this for each one present and those who are listening to the words and those who are listening to these words. You may all say this. You may all say this when you claim this, it's always true. When you claim this, it is always true. I know your truth. I know who you are in truth. I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. I know how you serve in truth. I am word through each one present. I am word through each one present. Word, I am word. Word, I am word. And he's saying, feel this, yes? If you can feel the energy, just say yes. And yes. that's the energy. Those were two attunements. Mm -hmm. The attunement to the word and... What they say is, I know who I am, what I am, how I serve, which is the claim of mastery. Yeah, beautiful. Now, the, some of the things that, you know, we, we get stuck in our small self, one from lack of information. Yeah. But one of the other things that, that keeps us there, there's two other things. There's fear, obviously, which locks us in. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to ask the guides about the pleasures of the small self that keeps us locked in because it's it's the double bind the fear causes us to retreat but there are certain pleasures that the small self have like what are these pleasures of the small self what does the small self think think it enjoys or does it really enjoy it i'm going to ask because I mean, that's never been asked before and i don't know mm -hmm. what we'll get the small self thinks she knows what she likes the small self thinks she knows what she likes she has great assumptions she has great assumptions he is taught what to enjoy he is taught what to enjoy perhaps what he tells us perhaps what it is it is what feels what feels good but more often than not but more often than not is what one is supposed to think is feel good it is what one is supposed to think feels good feels good it's supposed to feel good it is supposed to feel good to have all the money to have all the money to have the pretty partner to have the pretty partner. It's supposed to feel good. It's supposed to feel good to get what you want all day long, to get what you want all day long. Perhaps it may. Perhaps it may, but the small self thinks it knows what it needs. But the small self thinks it knows what it needs. The true self does know. The true self does know. The question is always, the question is always who is claiming, who is claiming, who is calling things into being, who is calling into being, calling things into being, into being. The small self may enjoy itself greatly. The small self may enjoy itself greatly. The true self may love. The true self may love. And there's a great difference here. And there is a great 
difference here. The small self does not love. The small self does not love. She may be an infatuation. She may be an infatuation, an adoration, in adoration, but she cannot love. But she cannot love. The construct that is the small self. The construct that is the small self is not that level of love. Is not at that level of alignment. Each time you love, each time you love, you are as the true self. You are as the true self because only the true self knows love. Because only the true self knows love. There is nothing wrong with enjoying the body. There is nothing wrong with enjoying the body. You have one to enjoy. You have one to enjoy. We don't say don't enjoy yourself. We do not say don't enjoy yourselves. We say be in love. We say be in love with the body, with the body and its uses as well and its uses as well when you're operating in fear. When you're operating in fear or choosing things in fear or choosing things in fear because you think you should, because you think you should, you are in fact incurring karma. You are in fact incurring karma that you will have to attend to, that you will have to attend to at some date, at some date. That is not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing, but it is a requirement. But it is a requirement when the small self chooses. When the small self chooses, makes decisions, fear, makes decisions, in fear, he is responsible. He is responsible for for the ramifications of the choice from here on in. From here on in, period, period, period. They're saying period. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, is the small self? Is the small self real? Is it an entity? It does. Huh. Is it an entity that exists at yes. a certain dimension? I'm hearing yes, which is really interesting. Um, Yes, but not the way you think. Yes, but not the way you think. Every idea actually exists. Every idea actually exists in dimensional in a dimensional reality. Every idea, every idea is actually in manifestation. Is actually in manifestation in one dimension or another. In one dimension or another, the moment is thought. The moment it is thought, then it can be claimed. Then it can be claimed into manifestation. Into manifestation on this realm, the character, the character that you hold, that you hold, may bypass person may bypass personality, character may incarnate, character may incarnate, personality will not, personality will not, or may not, may not, may not, personality is a structure, personality is a structure, it is a coherence, it is a coherence with latent information, with latent information that you have gathered, that you have gathered as a composite, as a composite of what you think should be, of what you think you should be, who your father wanted you to be, who your father wanted you to be, what your your mother said you could never be what your teachers taught you, what your teachers taught you, or your religion, or your religion, or the time you were born in, or the time you were born in. These are the constructs. These are the constructs that you adhere to, that you adhere to and acclimate to, and acclimate to if you live in a world. If you live in a world where to look a certain way, where to look a certain way, or do a certain thing, or do a certain thing is applauded, is applauded, you will aspire to those things. You will aspire to those things because you think you should, because you think you should. Sure, that's actually a fraudulent reason to activate anything. That's actually a fraudulent reason to activate anything. To activate anything, you are playing the game of being. You are playing the game of being as been prescribed to you, as has been prescribed to you. Personality will do this. Personality will do this. The divine self may know itself. The divine self may know itself in any and all circumstance. In any and all circumstance, it may enjoy the fruits of the world. It may enjoy the fruits of the world. There is nothing wrong with any of them. There is nothing wrong with any of them when you attach to those things. When you attach to those things you think you are, and you think they make you who you are, you're in idolatry. You are in idolatry. You have created a false god. You have created a false god at the cost of the true self, at the cost of the 
true self, who needs none of it to know who he is, who needs none of it to know who he is. George says, yes. Do you understand this? Yes. Yeah, I do. That makes sense. So is there, is this entity form that exists on some dimensional level, does that persist beyond the death of the body or does that expire with the death of the body? I hear it persists into, into the next dimension and may be remade. And it may be remade or reimagined or reimagined the divine self as you. The divine self as you operates in a continuum, operates in a continuum beyond time. Beyond time, it does not address itself. It does not address itself as the personality might, as the personality might. You are a man in this lifetime. You were a man in this lifetime. You may be a servant girl. You may be a servant girl in the next one, in the next one, and learn that come from that job and learn the lessons that come from that job. The next you may be the king or queen, and the next you may be the king or queen, depending on what you require to learn, depending on what you require to learn. He is confused by this teaching. He is confused by this mm -hmm. teaching because we often say time is not linear, because we often say time is not linear, but your experience of self, but your experience of self in many ways, in many ways by conditioning and agreement, by conditioning and agreement has become known in linear form, has become known in linear forms. So That's how we use the language to describe it. So this is how we use the language to describe it. Are you the nice young man? Are you the nice young man in this lifetime? In this lifetime that you were in the last, that you were in the last, not at all, not at all. You may have been quite a pill. You may have been quite a pill the last time around, the last time around, but the essence of you is still present. But the essence of you is still present. The divine as you in love, the divine as you in love, the character that you hold, the character that you hold was as present then as now, was as present then as now, but your likes and dislikes, but your likes likes and dislikes, the genetics you hold, the genetics you hold that make you look and seem as you are, that make you look and seem as you are, may be wildly different, may be wildly different in an incarnation to the next, in an incarnation and to the next, and then to the next, period, period. Mm, I understand. The, the question that for me then comes up is, as far as when you, when you speak about learning, uh -huh. and you speak about the Christ itself and the divine self, which is, really has, is the divine, is the divine represented to you? It seems as though the divine wouldn't have much to learn. The small self yeah. has tons of things to learn. So what is what is it that's actually learning? The In small self requires certain, the small self requires certain things to realize itself through. To realize itself through everything that comes to an opportunity. Everything that comes to you is in fact an opportunity to learn. Is in fact an opportunity to learn the realization of the divine self. The realization of the divine self, in fact, is not circumvent learning. In fact, does not circumvent learning. It calls different lessons to you. It calls different lessons to you. This is not a static way of being. This is not a static way of being. It is always ongoing. It is always ongoing. Everything is evolving. Everything is evolving. Even the divine self. Even the divine self. And it's a question. As you in its expression as you. Now, when we teach the divine self as you, now when we teach the divine self as you, we teach the household, we teach it at the cost of the old. Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new is the teaching you comprehend, is the teaching you comprehend. The divine self knows who he is. The divine self knows who he is. The small self thinks he knows. The small self thinks he knows when the true self invokes. When the true self invokes its manifestation, its manifestation and fullness in fullness, what you believed you were, what you believed you were begins to release, begins to release, and often quite uncomfortably, and often quite uncomfortably because you meant so much, because you have invested so much in what you think you are, in what you think you are, and you built a life around it, and you have built a life around it. This is not the ruination of the small self. This is not the ruination of the small self. It's the encompassing of it. It's the encompassing of it.
it or the assumption of it or the assumption of it by truth by truth and truth a lie cannot be held in truth a lie cannot be held in the truth of your being and the truth of your being and manifestation in manifestation will release will release all things all things that are not aligned to that level of vibration period and they're saying period mm. When I visualize in some of my own work, when I visualize the Christ itself, the higher self, the divine uh -huh. self, what I believe you're referring to as character, I visualize as a collection of light with a particular hue, a particular, mm -hmm. a particular gravity. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that a fair representation of, of what the they're talking about? As, of the divine self, of talking about as character. They're not, I don't think the divine self is character. I think the divine self is soul. I think character is soul. Mm -hmm. I think character. I think the soul progresses, and the soul may have character or a thumbprint. And this is mm -hmm. my my impression of what I've been hearing sure. from them. But the guides actually make a distinction between the soul and the divine self. Mm. And the divine self, they've spoken of basically as the divine spark or the the seed of the divine that seeks its realization through the soul. So it's the realization of the divine or the Christ itself as the soul that is the, the emergence, and that comes at the cost of what we think we are, right. you know, and our attachments to those things. But I think the inherent character, this is my understanding, because I said it in one of the books, that character incarnates, personality does not. Right. But what I've heard, and I don't, do, I don't call myself a spiritual medium, so I don't work with a lot of dead people. Once in a while they'll come through when I'm working with a client, but I'm, they call me a medium for the living. So I can hear your sister, if you've got a sister, and you know, feel what it's like to be her. But if she's on the other side, I may not get her unless she wants to come through. And I don't remember what I was about to say, so there was a whole point before I digress there. Um, Character. Oh, yeah. I, what I've heard is that on the other side, you know, the personality self still exists. Yeah. So I've tuned into people who've crossed and I've felt what it was like to be them. And, like, you know, there's a crotchety woman and she's knitting and she's jabbing the knitting needle at you and that goes, Yeah, that's my Aunt Mary. She was a pain in the ass, you know, and bang, bang, bang. Uh -huh. And so I can understand and that's how I might experience her. And maybe that's just for the benefit of, of the person I'm, I'm with. But that's still personality. It's not character in what's eternal. Right, yeah. It, it seems like that would explain the small self persisting beyond this life. It's still a, a form that you could you could communicate with. I hear it's the astral body. It's yeah, it's the astral body. Yeah, that's what I hear. And then there's the character and the soul, which are kind of, those are kind of uh, in alignment as far as yes. vocabulary. Yeah. And then there's the divine spark, which is all divinity, which is all God yeah, that we also things. carry as well. In presence in all things, and the knowing yeah. of this, and the knowing of this is what will transform your world, is what will transform your world, period. And they're saying, period. Yeah. That was, uh, and that was, I think, uh, to just understand that kind of metaphysical framework is, I think, really important because... Uh -huh. um, as we start to really understand who we are and, and these different elements, everything starts to kind of fall into place and, and make sense. It's almost mm -hmm. like now we understand the game board for cosmic well, chess. We understand the black and white pieces. And I don't understand them. You may. And I, I feel like I, I need to double check that character and soul are the same things because that was sure. my, my impression and I was 
not not quite right. Not quite right, <laughs> almost right. Almost right. We're so close. Still, We're so close. Character is still an aspect of self. It is not an eternal It is not an eternal aspect. It is not static in that it is not static. Character will also evolve. Character will also evolve as the soul progresses, as the soul progresses. But the truth of who you are, but the truth of who you are, the individuation of self, the individuation of self, even at its holiest, even at its holiest, that which makes you you, that which makes you you and eternally you and eternally you, that will be in unification, that will later be in unification. In unification with all things, with all things beyond a name, beyond a name, and as a tone, and as a tone, in great tone, in union with a great, a great tone, may not know itself in character anymore, may not know itself in character anymore, because it's been assumed, because it's been assumed, say this, yes. They're saying, say this, yes, the images of, a, of, of drops of water going into a bucket. And so the drop of water is individuated and knows itself as the drop of water, but once it's in the bucket, it's of everything else. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. So it's not that, that the character of that drop of water is gone, it's assumed in the vastness of the whole. Accurate. Accurate. That's right. the definition. Okay, now it's a new definition. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah, it's a good distinction. I want to talk about one of, I think, the most important teachings that the guides have brought through, and that's the teachings of seeing things in a high way, not even agreeing with um, you know, some of the judgments that we place on, on other things. And this is a, a Toltec teaching that I think Don Miguel is getting at when, you know, when he's talking about being impeccable with your word and, and some, of the, some of the four agreements. And a lot of, you see these showing up in a lot of ways, but it's, it's really seeing people beyond what they're showing you in their small self or seeing mm -hmm. things beyond what the agreement to that bad thing is mm -hmm. and trying to actually see it in a high way and that's something that's very difficult to do when something is bad someone you know does something wrong to you or someone expresses something gets angry you know kicks mm -hmm. your dog does yeah. something like to see that in a high way that's it's probably the most challenging part of putting this into practice that i've encountered it can be it yeah. is for me i don't do it all the time it's not convenient um, it's a really simple teaching, though, if you can do it. I mean, it's, it's as simple as it gets. The idea here is that the divine witnesses the divine in all it sees, or God sees God in everything. And then the question becomes, who's seeing? What aspect of you is witnessing? So if you want to go to the attunement, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free, I am free, I am free. And you move into that alignment, and then the witness that you hold is in accord with that. Um, what you see actually is transformed, I understand, by the nature of your witness. It's not like you're making people better. You're seeing beyond the, the illusion or the mask that they wear. You know, when I remember to sometimes, because I travel a lot with my work, and sometimes I'm in the airport at 2 o'clock in the morning, I don't want to be there. And I look at all these people walking around, and I can't stand any of them. They're making noise, and the lines are too long. And then I remember, and I go to the, to, to, to the, to the guides, and I go to the teaching. And the claim, I am word through each one present, word I am word, actually will shift the whole vibration in the terminal. I mean, we can do it right now in the studio if you want to, and it's really very simple. You claim, I am word through each one present, word I am word. 
and the energy in the room will begin to actually lift and shift in agreement to that. Do you understand mm -hmm. this? Yeah. And your relationship to what you see is then transformed by that. I mean, it's a really simple teaching. The guides say you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's the height of hypocrisy. It's what's wrong with most of what's happened with religion. You know, the sense of separation, you know. It's just not true. And the guides say that who you put in darkness or what you put in darkness calls you to it. So there's actually an exercise in one of the books, in the Book of Mastery, where you have to go into a cave, and in that cave is the one person you never want to see again as long as you live. And your, your, your objective is to lead that person out of the cave and into the light because you put them there. And in putting them there, you called yourself right in there with them. Mm. Now, this is all about liberation, but truthfully, the opportunities for me to learn and to grow is when I do this when I don't want to. And we live in a culture that likes to scapegoat and likes to vilify and likes to blame. And the guides say you really can't be a victim and, and, and a master at the same time. You can't do it. They, those two things don't exist together. It's convenient. We like to do that. We like to blame. But as long as I'm blaming, I'm condemning. And as long as I'm condemning, I'm judging. And what you judge, you fear. And it's an act of fear. So if we really want to change this stuff, we have to, I believe, change how we perceive. And the guides are really saying that how we perceive anything is actually claiming it into being. It's not like I made the microphone or I made this. I am in agreement to it because it's here before me. But they say that the level of consciousness that you hold when you claim another or anything actually informs the thing. They say, for example, that you know we've had banks for a long time. They say the thumbprint of anybody who's ever been to a bank is in every bank you walk into because the consciousness of those who've been before us have helped create the structure, which is why we think it will always be there. Yeah. Do you understand that? Yeah. And so the consciousness needs to change then to change the structure, and that's how we hold anything in our consciousness or witness. I think that's such a great metaphor and such a good teaching. You know, any time that we're judging and condemning someone and you know reinforcing that because it's a very tribal thing to do. You get with a certain clique and then you mm -hmm. you start to form this bonding ritual where in that inside that group you're in this select circle and you kind of slightly disparage the people mm -hmm. on the outside of the circle, which brings the inner circle closer. But in the disparaging of the outer, in the judgment of the outer part of the circle. You go into the cave, you go into the hell that you've placed them. You go in alignment to that condemnation. Whereas mm -hmm. if you see them all in a high way, you actually can not only lead them back out to the light, you're not engaging with them mm -hmm. into that cave. And that's the, that is the really, you know, that's, that's the stuff. Yeah. Like that's the stuff of actually doing the work is mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of seeing and identifying with that, with that separation and with that judgment, seeing them in the light, and that's what will ultimately help you know, draw them forward. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to forgive other people and groups of people for not being who we want them to be, because it's mostly when I don't want somebody to be who they are and doing what they're doing that I'm having an issue with them. And that's my small self's intention to have his needs met through a relationship in a way that I think it should be. Yeah. And that has nothing to do necessarily with the truth or, or what the needs of the other person may be. There's a teaching. I don't know if it came from you. I heard it from Ted more more frequently. Might very well might have come from you. Ted Decker is mm -hmm. who I'm referring to. Um, he says, "Love holds no record of wrong," and that's and when you understand that, it's yeah. it's the instant 
forgiveness that forgiveness that doesn't even need forgiveness because it doesn't even see the injury or the slight exactly. it holds no record of wrong mm-hmm. as it's happening like i think we think of this forgiveness like receive wait till someone says they're sorry and then when they've groveled enough then they're worthy of forgiveness that's mm-hmm. not the christed way the christed way is love holds no record of wrong as you're receiving the insult mm-hmm. you're simultaneously transmuting forgiveness and it's mm-hmm. this cycle like that is the real divine love and divine forgiveness i agree i think it we're not always there <laughs> i sure think not. some people need, for sure not some people need to get good and pissed off you know before mm-hmm. they can forgive and that may be a step towards claiming some kind of, of independence from action that's harmful. You know, the guides say if somebody steps on your foot, you say, please don't step on my foot. And if they keep doing it, you say, get the hell off my foot. You know, then you can forgive them, but you don't want them doing that. And it doesn't mean you have to stand there and get trampled on either. Yeah. Um, but I do think that when I succeed at this, when I succeed in my relationships with anybody, it's by remembering the love that's there and not the 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 insult or the slight or or the pain or the, or the historical data that would tell me that I have a right to all of my indignation yeah. you know because the world will affirm that at any opportunity you know you watch the news and you're told what to fear and who to dislike or who to judge and then we go we all go into compliance with his stuff without even realizing that we're contributing to the problems that we have we're not solving anything by doing that mm. One of the one of the uh, metaphors and kind of visions that came through me. I was working with the plant, the rose plant, mm-hmm. and you know, thinking of us as the flower of life, you know, flowering into mm-hmm. our true essence and expression. Mm-hmm. You know, we give that flower, that scent, that beauty mm-hmm. to any who wants to gaze. Yeah. The rose doesn't. When someone goes to sniff it that they don't like, just close down. No, no, no. You don't get any rose. You know, you don't get to look at me. You don't get to smell. It. No. But it also has thorns, and those thorns are discernment to keep those careless ones from trampling now the rose doesn't pop out of the bush and start whipping people you know chasing people around you know i'm gonna get you with these thorns no it's just holds it steady there Mm -hmm. don't trample me Mm -hmm. but if you're you know if you're careful anyone who wants to come can smell and witness Mm -hmm. witness the flower and i thought that was kind of a a beautiful way to represent those boundaries of how we can express it's perfect yeah (laughs) well i feel like i feel like we could continue diving and Mm -hmm. and going through this but we have a lot of beautiful souls here in the room and what i'd like to do is for people who have um questions that are less specific about yourself right now let's go into something that maybe that the guides can help with or something about some of the teachings that we've done here first and take a few questions Mm -hmm. there and then uh if you're open to it um and whether this will be on the podcast or not uh, if you're open to it, we can get into maybe some personal questions, and we'll okay. leave that to the discretion of uh, the people here in the room mm-hmm. after that. So does anybody have any uh, questions or thoughts for the, the guides or anything regarding this teaching who wants to come up? Uh, you would come up. Come up to this seat here, Louis. Hello. Hi. Hi. So this is something to... Put this up. Oh, Okay. This is probably something that could make it a little bit more tangible for everyone to understand, to go from our simple self to our higher self. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we all have those episodes in the shower when we have these epiphanies or things that we think of, whether it's whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> but then after the shower, you go on with your daily life, uh -huh. you know, and that's it. It's over. Um, and I truly believe that those things are, those, those are manifestations of something higher than yourself coming to you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Would you recommend that people write those things down and then as they go through their journey, connect the dots through through manifestation? Yes. Well, I hear yes. If you're given information of a high nature, of a high nature, forgetful, and you're forgetful, by all means, write it down. By all means, write it down. It's been gifted to you. It's been gifted to you to work with and to know, to work with and to know realization of what you learned. Realization of what you have learned may take time, may take time. You get a lesson idea. You may get a lesson in idea, in idea that must be concretized, that must be concretized by nature, by nature of your experience with it, of your experience with it, a concept a concept is fine, is fine, but knowing what it means, but knowing what it means and expressing as it, and expressing as it is action, is action as you realize yourself. And as you realize yourself through the epiphany you've had, through the epiphany you've had, you may claim it and know it is true. You may claim it and know it is true, period, period, period. They're saying period, 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 say this, yes. They're telling me to say this. You know, one of the first things I, I ever heard when I was first beginning to open up, I heard, um, and I think I heard it, I don't think I read it, because I wrote it on a slip of paper and stuck it in a book that I was reading at the time, and I still have it there in the book, you know, 20 plus years later. I heard, freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king. And I didn't know what the hell that meant. I was really miserable when I heard it, and now I understand it, which is who sits in the throne. Is it the small self who's the one who says, I want everything my way and things should go as I say? Or is it the true self who knows? And who's running the show was the epiphany. I have to say, it took me about 20 years to understand the meaning of that. But I left it in the book, and I did write it down, and I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Thanks, Libby. Anyone else? Eric? It's nice to meet you, too. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. So this is... So I have a three-part question. Um, did the guides used to exist as people? And if they did, how did they get to this place? And if they did, uh, do they have a roadmap or uh, could they dictate how we could become that's what we were teaching you. something like this? They're saying that's what we are teaching you. That are the texts we bring. Those are that that is or that are that is that is the text. The text we bring through. We bring through is how to is how to know yourself. Know yourself beyond the small self. Beyond the small self. Some of us inform. Some of us have been informed. Some of us have not. Some of us have not. We realize ourselves in truth. We realize ourselves in truth at the cost of form. At the cost of form. In some cases. In some cases or with form or with form and through form and through form and others in others we are who you become we are who you become when you know who you are when you know who you are we are not so different from you we are not so different from you we have taken form as needed we have taken form as needed or as required for our benefit or as required for our benefit for our benefit and our development and our development our reliant on it. but we are not reliant on it to receive lessons to receive lessons you are still receiving lessons you are still receiving 
lessons through embodiment, through embodiment, the gift of embodiment. The gift of embodiment is the experience of this realm, is the experience of this realm, of this realm. All that may be learned here, all that may be learned here will be a benefit to your soul, will be a benefit to your soul and its evolution and its evolution. So don't be in such a hurry to leave. So don't be in such a hurry to leave. This is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity to learn to be, to learn to be the manifestation of the divine form, the manifestation of the divine in form, which we're inserting you now, which we are instructing you in now and will continue to in text and will continue to in text is not only a manual is not only a manual but an agreement but an agreement by agreement and by agreement we mean a vibrational oracle a vibrational oracle that will support the individual that will support the individual in the manifestation she seeks in the manifestation she seeks not through information not through information but through co-resonance but through co-resonance period 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 thank you you're welcome kind of uh, one thing that came to mind for me is are there things that we do unknowingly or knowingly that can accelerate our access to becoming our higher self or decelerate it like certain personal practices maybe physical practices or other things that accelerate or kind of decelerate that process i've never asked so i'm gonna i'll, I'll ask now and yeah. see if i can think it depends on who you are they're saying it depends on who you are you are not all the same you are not all the same for one man smoking for one man smoking a substance a substance may deaccelerate may deaccelerate his evolution his el evolution for other may accelerate for another it may accelerate it depends on the system it depends on the system the lessons he needs and the lessons he needs to know himself through to know himself through nothing is wasted here nothing is wasted here there is not a grand rush upstairs there is not a grand rush upstairs when you think there are although many of you think there are the opportunity the opportunity to develop to develop is gifted to you in the day is gifted to you in the day every day you stand Every day you stand in offers offers the opportunity to develop, offers the opportunity to develop. You'd rather read a book. You would rather read a book that tells you how and when to do it, that tells you how and when to do it than to welcome today, than to look at the day as your teacher, as your teacher. The lessons are here now. The lessons are here now, right in front of you, perhaps. Right in front of you, perhaps, how you attend to your fellows, how you attend to your fellows, how do you attend to your loved ones, how you attend to your loved ones, how you attend to your neighbors, how you attend to your neighbors and your world and your world are fully present now are fully present now and if you ask yourself how you do these things and if you ask yourself how you do these things you in fact will be taught to develop you in fact will be taught to develop higher higher period you're saying period wow that's beautiful now the, in a lot of the classic teachings there's certain pleasures of the body that were considered base and considered um sins mm -hmm. for example you know and and considered to prevent you from being able to access that doesn't seem to resonate always you know certainly is true as far as i understand it. i hear it depends on where you are in development say this yes they're saying to say this yes i was going to say this you know somebody asked in a workshop i think it might have been at esalen or it was fairly recently was there anything that the guides missed about being embodied uh, being in form and, and the answer was physical love and i thought well that's remarkable mm -hmm. you know <laughs> 
I didn't know that, but you know, more than that, they're here more than that. The smell of a flower, the smell of a flower is physical love, is physical love. The expression of the body, the expression of the body when it stands in the rain, when it stands in the rain is love as well, is love as well. Don't assume we are talking about sex. Don't assume we are talking about <laughs> sex. When that goes not, for all of you When guys. we are not, period, period, period. Period, period, period. That's lovely too. What they're saying, but that's lovely too when it is in love, when it is in love, period. They're saying period. That's epically beautiful. Uh, epically beautiful. Right on, guides. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, anybody else have anything for the. You have something to call? Hey. Hey there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> So it should only take about 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, try to make it quick. So um, I kind of get these visualizations of how it's all expanding, but yet it's kind of this holographic still image and we perceive this motion of time or whatever. And um, it seems like for a very long time, people have been becoming aware of their higher self and who they really are. And um at the same time, people have got these interesting, you know, capabilities to either communicate with these guides or communicate non-physically or, you know, through uh, some sort of extrasensory perception. Um, even like the research that they were doing back at Stanford Research Institute, uh, you know, decades ago. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like over the last five or six years, there's been kind of a shifting of energy. And what I'm curious about is, do you think we will start seeing more and more extrasensory perception, telekinesis, you know, telepathy, things like that, that as we... Generationally, yes, it's happening now. It's happening now. You are telepathic. You are telepathic. We don't know it, but you don't know because I work with it because you haven't worked with it. He works this way all the time. He works this way all the time. And because he does, it's available to you. And because he does, it's available to you in co-residence, in co-residence. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? When we can reach the moon. When one of you can reach the moon, you all can go there. You all can go there as far as you can get. As far as you can get, given your capacity to go, given your capacity to go once something is available. Once something is available, it may be claimed, it may be claimed. The gifts you are speaking about, the gifts you are speaking about are less gifts, are less gifts than instilled abilities, than instilled abilities that are dormant in you, that are dormant in you from lack of progress, from lack of progress and lack of use and lack of use. Once you understand, once you understand that these are your true nature, that these are your true nature to be in benefit of them, to be in benefit of them as an aspect of the self, as an aspect of the self that encounters a world, that encounters a world will be ordinary will not only be ordinary but expected but expected period period thank you you're welcome and can i follow yeah. on that really quick with you um so it kind of seems like there's a period of time where just a very small handful of people are experiencing this or hat you know somehow get tapped into this ability and i, I go all you know back to belief is kind of the basis of it all and mm -hmm. so i, I kind of get this visual of this you know, in this kind of exponential, all of a sudden there's so much belief around it and there's enough people where we reach this tipping point where it's like, oh, that just happens and that's normal. I mean, 
I get yes and no say this. If they're saying to me to say this, if you wish, I'm going to say this first and then they may correct me. Because it's been asked before if this is this sort of this hundredth monkey thing going to happen when everybody just sort of lights up at once. And I actually don't get that. I actually got it's more like people punching holes in the ceiling again and again and again that creates a grid that then becomes available to everybody. Do you understand that? Yes. But what we are do we're doing right now is we're moving beyond the known limitations that have been prescribed to us. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here with you doing what I'm doing, a couple of hundred years ago would have gotten me burned at the stake, really, truthfully, and probably 50 years ago would have put me in a mental hospital. You know, and for whatever reason, I'm doing this and I'm perceived as fairly normal in my work. And in fact, I kind of am, you know, really, if you know me, I'm, I'm just this normal neurotic New York guy that does this thing. But I have access to things that are available to everybody. My ex, when I had my, my last ex, became psychic from sharing a bed. But we were in co-resonance for for years. Pay attention, ladies. You're looking for psychic abilities. <laughs> Actually, pay attention, guys. But, uh, if you really want to go what an there. Assumption. But um, you know, but it it can happen. Do you understand that? It's yes. available. It can happen. So just because something has not been made available to you doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. The guides say we're always sort of offering, you know, ordering off of the menu that we think we can order from. It's really that simple. Do you know what I mean? So you don't go to the Chinese restaurant and order the spaghetti. It doesn't occur to you to do that. And that's how we've been living. So if telekinesis isn't on the menu or telepathy isn't available, you won't even think to claim it when in fact it can be claimed. You have to open up the menu to, to what can exist beyond what you've known thus far. Okay, I'm going to see if they want to say anything about that. No, that was well said enough. That was well said enough. <laughs> I get well said enough. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. All right. Any, any more uh, kind of general questions? And then we'll uh, kind of make a break where we can go into some more, uh, some more personal work if you're uh, still up for that, Paul. Yeah, I'm up for that. All right. Well, all right. Well, I don't know if we're going to continue on with the recording. So I just want to you know, offer so much gratitude for coming in, showing up, and, and being the, the humble conduit that you are. I mean, I think this is, to me, getting to know you represents everything that I know about, you know, someone who truly holds spiritual mastery, and it's humility. You know, it's the ability to have laughs at dinner over, you know, over the shrimp and, and be a normal human being that doesn't try to put themselves always in this seed of specialness and just understanding that the divine is working equally through all of us in a different expression and this is our role to play and i think you embody that beautifully and i just want to thank you for your service and thank you for your work oh thank you so much that's yeah. lovely to hear thank you one last question for the guides mm -hmm. what makes the guides laugh love 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 and always love and all is love so we can always be laughing so we can always be <laughs> laughing if we laugh all the time if we laugh all the time we can't teach very well we can't teach very well so we so we come through as we can, but we do come in love. But we do come in love and awareness of who and what you are and an awareness of who and what you are that we hold for you, that we will hold for you even as you forget it, even as you forget it, even as the trials of life take you elsewhere, even as the trials of your lives take you elsewhere, take you elsewhere. You are in love in us. You are in love in us and in all things and in all things as you realize this. And as you realize this, you become the master of love. You become the master of love and the gift of love to your world and the gift of love to your world. Period, 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 period. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right, everybody. Yeah.
I hope you guys agree that that was a really incredible show. Whatever you may think about the methodology, whatever you may think about the practice, I hope that you were able to gain some truth from that and tune in to how you're feeling. Tune in to if this made a change in how you feel right now, if it made a change in how you think. And you know that in and of itself has value, whether you give credence to the methodology or not. Look at the results and see if that made an impact and see if those words rang true and, uh, and awakened anything inside you. So I look forward to hearing your feedback. I appreciate you guys immensely. And I will be dropping in on Mondays on the Aubrey Marcus Academy open Facebook group to discuss the podcast. So drop in there. This is a great podcast to discuss. Every Monday we'll be having these. And I can't wait to hear from you guys.